Hello, and welcome to The Meaning Podcast, an exploration of how spiritual significance emerges from the life and work of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. I'm your host, Chris Bonhoff. What is your response to uncomfortable situations? How do you respond when confronted with a person or conversation that you disagree with, or that reveals a side of society or yourself that is hard to see? If you take your cues from social media or our popular culture, you might respond with anger or defensiveness or by distracting yourself from the source of the discomfort. But what does a spiritual path suggest as a more productive response? I talked about this with Seth Patterson, Plymouth's Minister for Spiritual Formation and Theater. He reflected on the constructive role that discomfort plays for him as a leader, as a performer, and as a community member. As we have brainstormed about what to talk about in this in this time, um, we've kind of landed on a, a topic that you have preached on and has come up in, in, in conversations, definitely between the two of us, and I think in other spaces too, the difference between pain and discomfort. Yes. And uh, I mean, I, I, I think that there's no shortage of either of those in the world today. I, I react to what you say with what feels like a confession that I'm concerned about naming out loud, which is I find the work of ministry and the work of ministry at Plymouth Church of Minneapolis to be deeply uncomfortable. That is how I experience this. But it is not painful, and it is incredibly meaningful. And some of what is so meaningful is, I think, because of the discomfort. Doing ministry was the last thing I ever thought I would do. In fact, it was the first thing I named I would never do. My dad is a Presbyterian minister and a chaplain, and my mother worked in churches doing education. And so for my most of my life, people would say, oh, you're going to grow up to be a pastor, a minister. You're going to go do this like your parents. And I would say, never, never, not once. And then here I am, even doing this at this point is, is surprising to me often. And so I, I, I f- sit in a discomfort of a role because it is m- very meaningful to me. It, the discomfort does not chase me away. It rather it it stretches me. I I am every single day in my doing with at and for this community. I am forced to stretch in ways that I never knew I would get to, and it feels like a privilege and a gift. And it is uncomfortable. The way that I encounter groups is to try to help, or groups or individuals, or the community as a whole, is to try to gently push people's boundaries, knowing that it's not easy, knowing that I am not going to change necessarily anybody, but allow the experience of discomfort that people can maybe choose to accept it and change themselves. I hold a theory that is not, I don't think, mine to begin with, but I don't remember where I got it. That part of 
American white supremacist capitalism is rooted in the idea that discomfort can go away. Mm-hmm. That we can somehow sell product, create systems in which absolute safety and absolute comfort are achievable. And then if they are, if you still feel uncomfortable, it's on you because you didn't buy into, you weren't lucky enough, you weren't good enough to get into the system to experience the complete comfort that your neighbors are feeling. Right. I mean, that's the whole, that's the, that's how you win. Yeah. There is, there is a, a, a point like, you know, a board game where you, you cross a finish line and then there is no more discomfort, either by virtue of the things that you have brought into your life yeah. or by virtue of like your, your place in the hierarchy. Yeah. That if those people who, however you define those people are, over there, mm-hmm. then over here will be comfortable. Mm-hmm. The next step in conversation to me seems to be like the 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 jump from like individual discomfort to communal discomfort. And I think that there's communal discomforts on so many levels right now there are discomforting things discomforting spaces that we are being asked to to enter into yes and I think there's a distinction that can be made some I wonder if some of our communal discomforts that we are wrestling with together come from the fact that we individually don't know how to do this. And we try to make other people uncomfortable with us because it justifies our pain, our perception of pain. It reminds me of of a year ago, my daughter, when I was putting her to bed, she all of a sudden was very afraid of a monster under her friend's bed. Hmm. It wasn't in her room. It was not something she was afraid of. But her friends, the way that this other eight-year-old tried to work through her own fears in her own bedtime, in her own room, was to make my daughter afraid with her. Hmm. Then you're not alone. If, if if, If a discomforting situation feels like pain and you don't know how to make that distinction, and you don't know how to sit in it, and you don't know how to move through the discomfort alone, then there is some danger that you will then go out and try to make everybody else feel your pain with you, because then it feels right. If I'm afraid of this, and you're not, then I feel like an idiot. (laughs) If I'm feeling this pain and I can get you to feel it with me, well, then there's something there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I must be right because Chris agrees with me. Mm -hmm. And so that is a distinction in order to answer your question that I think needs to be made. Some of our discomfort that is being reacted to as if it's pain in our culture, I think comes from this. 
I need you to be angry and uncomfortable with me because I don't know how to process it myself because I don't have the skills. I've never been taught. I can't stop and sit in it in a healthy way. So I need to bring everybody else with me. And our culture broadly, and by our culture, I mean white supremacist culture, uh, white American culture. Uh, I think that the way that the ways that that people are taught or modeled that the ways that are modeled for us to 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 respond to discomfort are rooted in anger self-righteousness uh yeah and uh and and that i i think of i just recently read jesus of the disinherited by howard thurman and one of the lines that that just kind of like hit me right in the heart was when one feels like their moral grounding has gone away, has disappeared, when one's moral framework no longer contains uh, a, like a ground for oneself to root, anger is a natural response to that situation yes. and it legitimizes the 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 moral nihilism it fills the void it fill that's exactly it yeah. and when you don't have a moral grounding when that has become empty either personally culturally familially communally it becomes empty you fit yeah you fill it with anger mm-hmm to me, that really ties to what you're saying about the lack of, of tools that people possess for being able to, to make meaning out of discomfort. There's also power in pain that is not there in discomfort. If you are uncomfortable and I tell you that's not, that's not uncomfortable, that's painful, follow me and I'll get rid of the pain, there's power in there's power also in helping people fill that void with their anger, with their power needs. It, it's insidious. And, and I don't think that it's as easy. I will never go as far as to say that this is some sort of easy answer of like, oh, everybody just needs to meditate or everybody needs to go to church or everybody needs to have a religion. Like that, that's not the answer. But we do have a culture that is rooted in replacing deep, hard things with shallow, easy things that can be purchased. And I don't know the remedy to that other than to model discomfort. And that's why I think I felt comfortable at the beginning confessing something that, I mean, this is my job and there might be people who listen to this and say, well, that's, he can't be very good at his job if it makes him uncomfortable. And you might be right. I don't know. Maybe I'm not very good at it because it makes me uncomfortable. I would also argue I'm better at it because I acknowledge the discomfort. I'm not always uncomfortable, but I often am. You won't know this, but every time I step into a pulpit in front of this congregation, I experience some amount of discomfort. Every time I teach a class, every time I speak <clears throat> on something difficult. I'm uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. This is not something that I feel 
great about or get excited about. It's something that I have found a way to be, to sit in my discomfort. And I, I attribute a lot of it to my acting training. Mm. Acting is incredibly uncomfortable. I can imagine. I've never, I've never had the pleasure. Not yet. Not yet. Good points. Uh, but you have to learn how to be uncomfortable in order to be a successful actor or performer. Because the, you'll be asked to do uncomfortable things. Being in front of an audience can be uncomfortable. You might play characters that are deeply uncomfortable to you. I had to play the Commandant of Auschwitz once, and I had to find that part of me and acknowledge that there was a part of me that could be him. And not only acknowledge it in the sort of everybody can be anybody sort of way, but I had to find the part of me that could, through upbringing, through lies, through training, through whatever way, could see human beings at numbers and as numbers and want them dead. Yeah. And be justified in that. I had to find that part of me. And that was unbelievably uncomfortable. And yeah. yet it might be one of the most meaningful things that I've done as a, as a performer. It's why I, I jokingly, not jokingly will say that I wish that like we need a mandatory service thing at, you know, everybody turns 18, but it's not to serve in the military. It's like everybody has to either work retail or wait tables and everybody has to take at least 10 improv classes. The ability to think the way that improv asks you to think the, the ability to say yes. And, and have that become habitual and the ability to play with others yeah. is so helpful to being a person in the world. Yeah. And it's uncomfortable. And when you are more able to sit in your own discomfort, you are more usually, my experience in others who are comfortable with their own discomfort, is you are able to realize when you've made mistakes, mm -hmm. apologize, and work to make things better. But when a mistake feels painful upon you, then you lash out at those who made you feel pain mm -hmm. as opposed to seeing your role and your place in it. Right. Yeah. And back to the improv, I mean, just placing yourself in a group of people who are all, who are all in the same space and creating something together that is, that is kind of dependent upon each other. I mean, that, that runs really counter to, to a lot of cultural things. And well, much like we were talking about before, we are all walking into the darkness together. Yes. None of us know where we're going. None mm -hmm. of us in an improv game or activity. You all start off and you all see each other and everybody's trying to figure out where we're going in the dark together. What a practice for life. Imagine how the the objective might be like. I feel I feel uncomfortable. What should I be paying attention to mm. now that I have made myself aware of this discomfort? To be uncomfortable and to gain the practice of being able to sit in discomfort and not immediately go into the reactive pain takes some amount of contemplative practice whether you name it that or not it takes a certain amount of being able to sit in yourself and not 
in distraction and not in in the many things pulling you out of yourself, but be able to recognize I there's something in me that's not that's not working. What is this? Why why am I why did I just snap at my spouse? What what's going on? That I could recognize that that had nothing to do with what they said, but yet I reacted. Well, okay, why? What am I what am I uncomfortable what am I uncomfortable with right now? And so that's just a question I ask myself a lot. Mm-hmm. Is what is making me uncomfortable right now? And I'm very yeah, I've gotten used to asking myself that. And and sometimes I don't know the answer. And it takes me a little while to fig- figure it out. I will often tell Nora, like, I'm feeling agitated, like a, and not in a bad way, but just like a, a carbonated, a bottle of carbonated water that's been shook up. I'm just, I'm feeling full and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. And so I just spend extra time and energy trying to learn to ask the right questions of myself to, to see what, what shook me up. Yeah. And I don't always know. I also like to try new things when I have time to do so. Mm-hmm. I've thought about starting a, some sort of group at Plymouth, like the Becoming Comfortable with Discomfort Club, where we come together. I read a great book by a Canadian journalist called The Beauty of Discomfort, in which she tracked athletes and artists and business people mostly who through discomfort it was through it was because of and through the discomfort that they were able to achieve whatever great thing that we say they achieved but they then reflect back on on sort of what they learned from the discomfort of it and so read that book together and then say all right so what what are you uncomfortable with I'm uncomfortable with the cold. Okay. So this winter, all of us are going to join you outside without coats on for 10 minutes. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable with public speaking. All right. Well, we are all going to join you in some sort of public speaking exercise. So you can be do the uncomfortable thing with those who are not uncomfortable with that. And then you get to be that person for them too. Something like that. Like we all get to train. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. And there's great theological underpinnings to this. Mm. Jesus didn't go out to the to meditate for 40 days because it was comfortable. Jesus didn't go. Jesus didn't do anything because it was comfortable. The the Israelites didn't escape from Egypt in a way of comfort. My fa- one of my favorite stories is they get liberated from Egypt. There's these magical things that get them out. They cross a uh, the what we is called the Red Sea, but whatever that was, magically, and then they get to the other side, and it's not too long until they start to say to Moses, "Hey, um, can we go back? Yeah, this is really, I, I'm tired of eating this one thing. We we had food there. Right. We may have been enslaved, but we had food. The food here sucks. Yeah, why? Where are we going? Why are we wandering? The discomfort of, of that. There's so many stories that, from our traditions that speak to this. It's really the culture of empire that tells us that that's all in the past, that we've gotten past it, that we've thwarted discomfort. All you have to do is buy this thing. I'm a proponent of discomfort. 
but not, I want to be clear, because I don't think I've been clear. I am not a proponent of pain, and I am not a proponent of being unsafe. I had this conversation with an elder here at Plymouth, and I was talking about discomfort, and her reaction to me was, I will not do anything that makes me unsafe. Which sort of taught me that those two things were combined for her. Mm -hmm. I am never suggesting that people do unsafe things. Or that people do things that hurt themselves or others. But on the spectrum of what we can do, those are the ones that are really easy to discern. At any moment, we have a spectrum of choices. And it's really easy to decide the things we shouldn't do. It's much harder and so much vaguer on the other side of the spectrum to know the things that are good. Because that is a really broad set of choices. So don't do the things that we know are painful and unsafe. But the rest of it can be uncomfortable. In uncomfortable situations, it can take time and effort to locate the deeper source of the discomfort. Do you have practices that provide you with the space for that reflection? What are the situations in your life that are particularly uncomfortable that you're actively feeling out a new relationship to? And what is that process opening for you? As always, thanks to Jimmy Hulse for our theme and to Max Brunel for additional music. And thank you for including this community on your path. What did you take from today's episode? Let's talk about it. Email us at meaning at Plymouth.org. Meaning is a production of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. Peace.